0: Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. All right. Well, hey, if you guys have a Bible with you this morning, go ahead and get that out. Uh, if you're new to church, maybe it's your first time to church in a long time or your first time to church ever, welcome. We're glad that you are here. And. Uh, uh, that... Oh gosh! Okay, so no, no problem. I thought you were scared. I was like, it's gonna be a long day for you, buddy. Um, but uh, hey, no. Uh, first time to church in a while, uh, feel free to use a phone or a tablet. Uh, We'd love for you to follow along in God's Word. We're a little bit different of a church, so uh, we don't use the sermon time as a time to kind of sit back and hope the dude is entertaining enough for us. Um, We believe that we are God's people um, surrounding ourselves around God's Word to hear a word from God today. Um, And so one way you can participate is through taking notes, uh, whether that's in your phone or a tablet, or uh, we've got some note cards on your uh, seats as well. And maybe a good time to remind you that uh, we're also going to ask everyone that's here today to fill out that little blue tear-off card And drop it off in the giving station box on your way out today So that we have a prayer request and a way that we can we can pray for you So if you do have a Bible, we are in the middle of our uh, sermon series in the book of Ephesians And we just finished chapter 1 last week, so I'm so excited for us to dive in So if you have a Bible, turn with me to the book of Ezekiel Ezekiel chapter 37 I know it's kind of weird. You're like, hey, we said Ephesians. Why are not we turning to the book of Ezekiel? Because I want you to see uh, one of my favorite stories in Scripture from Ezekiel chapter 37. And, uh, and then I want to show you in the New Testament how after Jesus comes and dies and r- rises from the dead, I want to show you the implications that this story has for us today in our lives. All right? Um, so, And I also... Uh, wanted to read it because it's kind of a kind of a weird story. Like, I think it's probably one of the weirdest stories in the Bible, and it's definitely one of those that if, if it ever got made into like a movie or a uh, whatever, it'd be like rated R probably. It's it's not like the most pleasant of stories, and, uh, and so as we're like around the Halloween time and um, around the, you know, I don't know if it's to you, but it seems to me every year things just get a little bit more scary, a little bit more gory, a little bit more out of control. Like, you know, I, I, you know, walk my children around and it's like, oh, cover your eyes. You know, I don't know what that is coming up from my neighbor's yard, you know. And so I don't know what it is, but something just seems that. But what I want us to see too is it's not just, you know, Home Depot or Lowe's or Walmart that's selling these things. There are some scary things in the Bible too. There are some things in the Bible that you might look at and say, hey, that's inappropriate. That, that should not happen in God's house. And so uh, in the same way that maybe uh, some people may look and go, oh, we shouldn't have scary decorations, I'd probably say we shouldn't have these stories in the Bible either. But they're in here, and so we got to face them and see what, see what it is. So now that I've got you all worried and anxious and concerned, let's read in Ezekiel chapter 37, starting in verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. I'm there. All right, here we go. The hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. And it was full of bones. All right, now I want want you to just get this picture in your head of like Ezekiel is like, hey, the Lord picked me up and he, he brought me. The hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me. Like this isn't something where the Lord said, hey, just take a walk. I want to show you something. The Lord intentionally took Ezekiel and brought him to a valley. Now, remember, a valley is probably this area between two big hills or, or two mountains. And so when you're down in the valley, it's already just a little weird because, you know, you're surrounded by these big mountains and you're, you're down low. And he says, I looked around the valley, and it was full of bones. Now, I just got to be honest with you. I feel called by God. I love the Lord. Like, I'm in it to win it. I believe he is with me. But in this moment, I'm out all right? Like, I'm just, I'm out. I'm like, the Lord's like, Brandon, come here. I want to show you something. I look over, there's a valley full of dead bones. I'm selling insurance. Like, I'm totally out of the game, all right? It's kind of a crazy thing. So in verse 2, it says, and he led me around among them. Are you serious, God? Like, it's not enough to just show them to me. Like, God's like, come here. Come here. I want to lead you through them. No, I'm good. I'm good, I'm, for real, I'm good. I see it, I smell it, I'm here, I got it. And God's like, no, 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 come here, I want to show So, So he's leading Ezekiel through. So Ezekiel's walking through this valley of nothing but dead bones. And he says, behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. What that means is there were a lot of them just on the surface, meaning there's probably a lot more under the surface, And they were very dry, which means they had been there for a long time. They were very old. So I want you to see in this moment, put yourself in Ezekiel's shoes for a second. And I want you to just think about how terrifying this is and hopeless that it is. Is this not one of the most hopeless situations you could imagine being in? Walking through a valley where everything is dead. And God says, I don't think you get it yet. Come, take a walk with me and listen to the crunches under your feet. How else did he know how dry they were? So as he's walking around and he's crunching on all these dry bones in the valley, I got to imagine the sense of dread, the sense of hopelessness is like overwhelming to Ezekiel. So then it says in verse 3, And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Now, I'm just saying, come on, God. I mean, you know, like, it's almost like he's playing a gotcha game, you know? So, so he takes Ezekiel for a stroll through the valley of dry bones. Ezekiel's stepping on him. He's like, there's a lot of them. They're all dry. They've been here for a while. And then God says, hey, hey, Zeke, I got a question for you. Can these bones live? Now, Ezekiel, this is my favorite because I don't know if anybody grew up in church here today. Uh, maybe you grew up like me You're a you know, I call myself a Baptist brat. I grew up in a, a, a small Southern Baptist church. Maybe, maybe you grew up in church. Maybe we call these Sunday school answers, right? Where uh, what is the ultimate, let me just test those who may have grown up in church or maybe you grew up in Sunday school. What is the ultimate Sunday school answer? Okay, well, there's more of you here than I thought. That, that pains me. That's right, Jesus, right? So Ezekiel pulls out the ultimate Sunday school answer. God says, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord God, only you know. <laughs> I think I got a question for you. Can these bones live? Well, you're the Lord. Only you, only you would know, Lord. Verse 4, then God said to me, prophesy over these bones for us that word means like to preach right to to speak a message from god prophesy over these bones and say to them "O dry bones hear the word of the lord i want you to think for a second like ezekiel's just gone through this whole valley god's asking them can they live ezekiel's like only you know and god says preach to them now again at this moment i'm out right? Like, preach to the bones, no thank you, all right? I mean, I just want to say, you guys are much better looking than a pile of dead bones, so. Yeah? no, all right. I was trying to make you feel good today. Um, then he says, prophesy over them, hear the word of the Lord, verse 5, thus says the Lord God to these bones. <laughs> Isn't mean, that crazy? Isn't this ridiculous? Like, he's going to actually do it. Like, he's going to actually talk to these dry bones. Uh, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews, that's like ligaments, upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Uh, I'm sorry, Lord. You want me to say what? And he's, I mean, Ezekiel's writing this down. He's like, "Uh uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You're going to put breath in them. Uh Uh-huh, they're going to write, they're going to know you're the, you're going to put flesh on them. Okay, I got that. And he's writing all this down. Well, then, again, at this point, would you doubt God? Probably. I mean, think about how hopeless of a situation this is. Uh, At the very least, you may not doubt God, but you would say, God, you tell them. I shouldn't be the one, I think I heard wrong. But look at what Ezekiel does in verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Oh, great. We went from a pile of bones to a pile of dead bodies. Fantastic. This is great, Lord. Thank you so much. I want you to imagine this scene, though, because you look at that, and especially if you've heard this story before, you go, yeah, I know. Isn't that amazing? But I want you to imagine if you're Ezekiel, and you're, he's in the middle of this valley. He's in the middle of all of these dry bones, and all of a sudden, he starts prophesying, and he's like, well, okay, God said to do this, so... <clears throat> Uh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. You will come together and have flesh, and God will breathe upon you. And as he's preaching, all of a sudden things start rattling around. And all of a sudden, he starts hearing things. They start rattling. And all of a sudden, this bone just flies over there. And then he's like, Oh, okay. Uh, you, God is going to put ligaments on you. Bones flying all over the valley, attaching themselves to one. I mean, are you? This is crazy. This is crazy. I mean, some of us, we're like thinking Halloween is crazy. No, the Bible is crazy. This is, this is absurd what's happening right now. And Ezekiel comes along and starts talking and, is, and is, is preaching, and they're coming together, and now they are dead bodies. Well, let's see what happens. Verse 9. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Isn't that amazing? I mean, they went from dry, dead. Bones in a valley lost and forgotten about. And God prophesied over them and made them live. And not just live, like not just they've got enough breath that we can rush them to the emergency room and pray for them, but they are standing up like an army ready for battle. Man. Verse 11 Then God said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, we are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves, I will raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. I just want you to see that. Like God is, is doing this and uses Ezekiel to do a really wild thing to explain to his people there is coming a time where I am going to put my spirit inside of you. And you are going to live. Though things seem hopeless now, things are about to turn around. And so I want you to see that the moral of this story isn't just that there's hope. But it is that God is on His throne. God is sovereignly in charge of every single thing that is happening. And He has power. He has power to make the dead live again. And when God is on the throne, there is hope. When God is on His throne, there is hope. So for us, we got to decide what we are going to let define our hope. Are we going to let our hope be defined by our story or by our Savior? Because listen, so many of us walk around And because of our story, how we were born, the problems that we're going through right now, the trials that we've overcome, the addictions we've succumbed to, the sin that has overtaken our life, we walk around with these stories. And church, we've let our stories define who we are. We've let our stories just become, well, this is just who I am. This is just how it's going to be. But church, if you follow Jesus, you're not defined by your story, you're not defined by your past, you're defined by your Savior. You're defined by what Jesus has done for you. So let me remind you today what Jesus has done for you. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to see today what Jesus has done to redeem your story. How your story is not where you feel stuck. Your story is so much more. And so we're going to read through Ephesians chapter 2 together. We're going to start in verse 1, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. Okay, here we go. It says this, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Not the best, I guess, child dedication verse to read. Just like the rest of mankind. Now I want you to I want you to see here. If you're taking notes, you can write this down, but here's what the Bible says, before you came to Christ, you were dead. Before you came to Christ, you were dead. I mean, I, I want you to think about the gravity, the weight of this for just a second because for so many of us like we maybe when you were saved you were saved at a young age or as a child or maybe when someone asked like what is your testimony what's your story you would say something like well i grew up in church i was baptized when i was six and yeah just that's that's my story that's not your story that's not your story the story of every follower of jesus is i was dead i was dead like, I'm talking about not just, I had a couple of issues, okay? I ain't talking about my past, I made a few mistakes. Here's what I'm talking about. We were dead. Like, if it, before you know Jesus, so if you're a Christian, at some point in your life, this is who you were. I want to introduce you guys to a friend of mine. This is Herman. Say hi, Herman. Hi. No, not you. Okay. <laughs> there we go. This is Herman. Well, guys, this is, this is who we are without Jesus. If you are a Christian here today, your story is, is not, I, I was raised, and I'm sure when I was, you know, seven, I did some bad things as a child, but Jesus said, you were dead. And I know we don't like talking about that, but the fact is it says that this is actually how we are born. We are born. It says, the word says, verse 3, by nature, children of wrath. What that means is from the moment you're born, you are born with a sinful nature, which means ain't nobody have to teach you how to sin. You know what I'm saying? Anybody, You guys got kids? You have to sit them down and teach them how to sin? You sit them down and say, this is how your district, you, got, you are too respectful. Let me show you an outlet. Okay, ain't nobody have to do that. And it ain't got to be my wife that blurts out in laughter, all right? You ain't got to do that. The fact is, we are born sinners, all right? We are all born this way. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, this is who you are. This is your life. Thanks for being here. This great to have you this one time but this is who we are guys without jesus we're dead and and we're born that way you didn't become dead it's not like you were born this nice beautiful perfect child and then at some point you made some bad decisions you were born dead you you're spiritually inside of you in the eyes of god (laughs) dead but a lot of times we don't look at it like this, right? We look at it kinda like kind of like taking a test, right? And we say, oh, well, when it comes to God, you know, I know God loves me, but I still mess up, kind of like taking a test, you know, I didn't, didn't do great, I didn't fail, but I still passed, and, um, you know, and, but maybe to pass, I need a couple of extra points, so I'm going to go talk to my professor, see if I can, you know, get a little bit of extra credit and see, like, if I can work some things out and see if there's anything we can do to get some extra credit, and, and then, like, I'll pass. And guys, so many of us treat a relationship with God that way. We're just hoping that we pass by the time we die. That by the time we die, we hope the score of our life was good enough to God for us to pass. And if it's not, let's go to church more. Let's give a little more to charity. Let's do some more stuff. And then maybe we will have the extra credit enough that he'll let me into heaven. Church, listen to me. That's not your story. The story is when you're dead, you can't can't pass a test. Herman cannot pass a test okay Uh, let's keep reading Ephesians 2 verse 4 it says this it says but God oh come on somebody everybody say "But but God but God let me tell you that is a hopeless situation that's Ezekiel walking through the valley of dry bones going man this is horrible This stinks. I don't like that, Brandon. I don't like you to stand up and call me dead or tell me that that's who I really am. But God, listen, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. You know what that means? That means God did not wait For Herman, for you, to to muster up enough strength and energy to ask for his salvation and help. He did not wait for you. He did not look at someone drowning and say, well, I wonder if they're drowning. I'm sure they'll yell for help if they need something. He found you when you were dead. He found you when you had no hope, and then he poured his grace out on you. Like, he, he didn't wait for you to do anything. Then it says in verse 6, he raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's a good day. That's a good day. That is going from Herman to being seated on high with Jesus Christ. That is a good day. That is salvation. That is what happens. You don't get saved And then, you know, all of a sudden, kind of like the valley of dry bones where God puts some flesh on you, but then forgot to give you breath. Or gave you some breath, but you were too weak to stand, so you just got to die again. Like, God gives you life and then raises you up as a mighty army. This is what he's done. Verse 7, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Come on somebody, is this good news? So I want you to see just a few things here. Number one, he talks about mercy. He says, but God was rich in mercy. Guys, the word mercy means that God is not giving us what we deserve. You guys know that, right? I mean, we do that when when someone says, you know, you're at work, and someone says, well, you know, honestly, this is a fireable offense. You deserve for me to let you go, but listen, I'm not going to let you go this time. I'm going to give you another, another chance. That is an extension of mercy. You deserve this, but I'm not going to give it to you. The fact is, we all deserve death. None of us deserved life, but God withholds death from us and gave it to put it on Jesus instead of putting it on us. But why? Why did God do this? Well, it says he did it with his great love that he loves us. So God's motive for the gospel is love. Listen, God's motive for giving us the gospel is not to save you so that you follow a bunch of rules. God did not save you and make you alive so that you can be good little boys and girls and never mess anything up. God did not save you and take you from death to life so that you can play this little game of, well, I please God more than this person because my sin doesn't count as much as their sin. Like, God, that ain't the game God plays. God's motive was straight up love. And not just any love, great love. Incomprehensible love. Not love like you and I love, where I love you one day, but then you get on my nerves, and then i got to try to love you again the next day. But great love, amazing love. He says that you are saved by grace. That word grace is a little different than mercy because grace means that he is giving us what we don't deserve. He's not withholding something. He is giving us a free gift. He is giving us life. And so your life is a testimony of the immeasurable riches of his grace and his kindness. What a story. Like, what a story. Can I tell you something awesome? This is the testimony of every follower of Jesus. Your testimony is not, I grew up in church and got baptized one day, and since then I've been trying to do the right thing. That is not the testimony of the gospel. That may be your story, but that's not what God does. What God does is take someone who was dead because of their sins and their trespasses and make them alive through Jesus and seat them in the heavenly places with Christ out of his great love and the immeasurable riches of his kindness. Man, that's our story, guys. That's who we are. Man, what an amazing story. So none of us should ever, when someone asks, so what's your faith journey? What's your story? None of us should ever say, well, it's not that exciting. I haven't even been to prison yet. Like, that's not what makes a great story. Because whether you end up getting saved when you are 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or whether you got saved when you were five or six you were no less dead and it took no less of God's power to save you no matter how old you are all right let's let's keep reading verse 8 it says this for by grace you've been saved through faith and this is not your own doing It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Man, I want you to see some amazing things going back to Ezekiel and coming back to this passage in Ephesians. These bones, guys, were brought to life not because they did good things. They weren't over here praying, oh God, please save us. How are you going to pray when you're dead? They were dead, but it was out of God's grace and mercy, not because they deserved it. So listen, a lot of times, church, we deal with things where we're like, man, I I want God to Save me, and we say, man, how did God save you? And we say things like, well, I was in a worship service one day, and I just walked down an aisle and gave my life to Jesus. And we start giving that credit. Start giving credit and saying things like, well, I raised my hand one time, and, uh, and God saved me. Listen, it doesn't matter. what you, We say things like, well, I try to do good things. I try to be a moral person, and so I, that makes God happy. We say things like, well, I give to charity. And I, not just charity, but I give to, like, Christian charities. I, I Brandon, you don't understand. I, every time there's a fad on social media, I post it. I don't even post regularly, but when there's a fad, I post it. I serve at church. I go to community group. I, my family grew up going to church. And we try to ascribe these things to mean our salvation. But watch this. Hey, Herman, say a prayer. Go ahead, say a prayer. Herman, give some money to charity. Herman, Herman, go to church. Herman, go to community group. Herman, go go do the right thing. Be a better person. Go ahead, raise your hands to give your life to Jesus. Do you see how ridiculous that is? When you're dead in your sins, guys, there's nothing you can do. You're dead. You're stuck there. Your salvation has nothing to do with your good works. Nothing. It doesn't matter how well you serve. It doesn't matter how many times you've been baptized. It doesn't matter what you do for the community. It doesn't matter how many mission trips you've been on. It doesn't matter what you do in church. It doesn't matter because you're dead. Can't do anything. The only hope that we have is the grace and the mercy of God. And so the way God did that was he displayed his grace and mercy for us through Jesus Christ. And so now we are saved by his grace through our faith. The word faith just means trust. I trust this. I believe in this. And so you're not saved by all the good things you've done. Actually, I would say that just buries more dirt on top of you and makes it harder to come out of. And guys, when we're trying to we're trying to save other people or we we have children we want to come to the Lord or friends we want to come to the Lord and they don't know Jesus, trying to tell them to do the right things, do you see how silly that is? Come to church with me. Come to community group with me. Move out with your boyfriend. Be a better person. Give more generously. It matters not. What they need is the message of the gospel, that Jesus has come to show God's infinite grace and mercy, that he came and took the punishment we deserve, that he took our death on the cross, and then was buried and three days later rose from the dead to show that he is everything he says he is. And you need that hope because the gospel is what gives us life, not our good deeds. Guys, could it be that one of the reasons the church is dying in America is that we're actually not a mighty army to be reckoned with, but a valley of dry, dead bones? Man, if God did this for us, I want to tell you God cares about every aspect of your life. I want to tell you that God moved when the situation was most hopeless. And in Ezekiel 37, he raised up an army to go and fight for his purposes. And in Ephesians 2.10, it says you are God's masterpiece, created for good works since before time. So before, you, before anyone knew you, before you were even created, God knew you, had a plan for you, and created you as his masterpiece to do good works for his kingdom. Guys, God is still raising up an army. But that army is now what we call the church. So the fact is, there are hundreds of thousands of people within driving distance to our church who do not know Jesus Christ. They are Herman. They are dead in their sins. They are in their most hopeless state. I don't care what kind of car they drive. I don't care how high their mortgage is. I don't care what kind of job they have or how high their security clearance is. Ain't none of that breathing breath into their life. They are dead. And the fact is, number one, they don't know they're dead in their sin. And so what we do is we try to be a good neighbor. And they pass by our house and we go, oh, Lord, be with them. What is that? That's not raising up any dry bones. So we bought a lie that people will come to Christ because they will see how nice we are. Guys, that is not true. God has raised up an army. And so, yes, you need to be nice. If you're not, don't tell them you come to our church. Yes, you need to be nice, but you also need to tell them that God has grace for them, and God has mercy for them, and God shows kindness towards them, and God has great love towards them. You've got to open up your mouth and tell them. This is why God didn't tell Ezekiel to go have a prayer meeting after he saw the valley. He told him, open up your mouth and preach, because it is through hearing the gospel that dry bones start to get some skin on them. Man, so many people, they don't believe Jesus can save them. They believe their past is too strong, that um, it's not true that God loves them, but we know that's not true. And man, uh, we also see the problem is that most of the time the problem's not with them, it's with us. We're just not going. And when we do go, we're not going with gospel intention. We're going and we're doing nice things for people, but we are not sharing the gospel as if they are dead. And the fact is, if they are dead in their sins, when they die physically, they will remain dead. And that is it. Their hopeless situation never got hopeful. We've become too comfortable, and what's happened is we've tuned out the dead around us. We've gotten so used to the stench of spiritual death that we call it things like progressivism. We call it things like evil. We call it things like, oh, I don't want any of that. But guys, the fact is, we too are walking around a valley of dead bones in our city. And the power of the gospel is still alive. It is still effective. It has not lost its power. So man, we got to get out of our comfort zones. We got to get out of our comfort zones. We got to open our mouths. We got to live with urgency, and we got to let ourselves smell the stench of death in our city. You may say, Brandon, that's not a very nice way to talk about Fredericksburg. If this is a pleasant town, this is a pleasant town. It's downright pleasant. It's pretty, it's beautiful, there's many things to be excited about. But one thing that we as the church have been sent here to do is to recover dead people. So I want you to see today, I'll call the worship team back up, but today, in just a moment, we're going to take communion. We're going to have a time where we take communion, and as we do that, I want you to think for a second of what God has brought you from. I want you to stare at the cracker that represents the body of Jesus broken. I want you to stare at the juice that represents the blood of Jesus poured out to forgive your sins. And I want you to consider that maybe this was you, and God paid a great price to bring you to life, and that might cause you to worship today. But it it might also make some of us wonder today, And you go, Brandon, yeah, I've been like a dead person just trying to do all the religious things. Trying to live my life, doing everything I can to be religious. But the fact is, on the inside, I'm dead. Jesus has not saved me. There's no grace. There's no mercy. I've not been brought to life. And you don't have a story like that. You don't have a moment like that. Well, guys, let's stop succumbing to legalism to save us. Let's stop acting like there's so much evil in the world, but we're not. Man, there's some scary stuff out there around Halloween, but nothing scarier than spending an eternity separated from God forever. And that's really the goal. And that's why we do things like get out of our comfort zone and do things like trunk or treat. That's why we, we get out of our comfort zone and we We try to reach people because because there is a lot of death in our city. And guys, it, it doesn't have to be that way. How many of you believe the gospel can save Fredericksburg? How many of you believe the gospel can save people that are in churches in Fredericksburg? Man, the gospel is power. And so today, can we lean into that? Will you do that with us today? you've never given your life to follow Jesus, if this is not your story, would you take that little blue card and mark, I've got questions, or I want to follow Jesus, and I promise that will get my attention this week. I will cancel every meeting I have with Franklin, and I will come and meet with you, okay? Church, listen to me. Don't play around with it anymore. You have an amazing story to tell, an incredible story. So we ought to see... Social media, if you're on social media and that's your thing, we ought to see social media filled up with your testimony this week of how God has brought you from death to life. If that's not your thing and you're more of a face-to-face person, we ought to hear stories. We ought to see this place filled with people next week. They say, I don't know, I just started meeting with this person and they told me their story and I got to get in on some of that. So I'm here, what you got for me? And I promise next week I won't tell them they're dead people. But guys, we got some decisions to make today. Stop doing things on your own strength and realize that God has chosen you as a masterpiece, His workmanship, not to play it safe, but to do good works for the kingdom. Let's pray together. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church sermon podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel center church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.